Toto. I'm Matt Raymond. And I'm Eugene Bingham. And that was the hype at Ultra Trail Australia 2022. This is Dirt Church Radio. Interesting conversations with interesting runners. Don't take our word for it. Over 30 scientific studies telling you that currents is good for recovery. It's good for exercising in the heat. It's good for blood flow. It's good for lots of things. And if you go to currents.co.nz, you can find the links to all these studies, which I'm not going to bore you with now by reading out the whole thing. But I will tell you, if you put in the code DIRTCHURCH, at currents.co.nz you get 20% off your first order I've been using it for months I am wrecked I've been training up uh, a a relative storm uh, and there's lots of famous good runners like Ruth Croft you might have heard of her she uses currents um, therefore we are one and the same Um, go to currents.co.nz 20% off with the code DIRTCHURCH and if you don't dig the recovery benefits those little purple capsules they'll give you your money back Currents.co.nz, science and experiential results equal goodness. Goodness. Goodness me. Um, did you get, get choked yourself up? along? I did. Yeah. yeah, I got a little bit choked up there. Um, head along to wildthings.club and you'll find this thing called VIP membership. It's very, very, very enticing. Uh, and what's more enticing is if you use the code DCR2022, you get 12 months of this said enticing membership. Well, you'll get 15 months of it for the price of 12. Uh, you'll be happy. Rob will be happy. Who doesn't like Rob being happy? And we'll be happy because Rob will chip in to the old DCRs. Thanks, everyone. Um, DCR 2022, 15 months, Wild Things VIP membership for the price of 12. It is worth it. We will be here till Christmas if I started listing the benefits. Just trust us. Have a look. Get amongst it. Got to give a quick shout out to Ultraspire. We're going to the Blue Mountains and we're going to have our Zygos 5s and they're going to be filled with all the gear that we need to run in the Blue Mountains. I'm a little bit nervous. I've never run in the Blue Mountains before. Uh, Do I need snake repellent? Uh, Will it be cold? Will it be hot? Probably all of those things. But, and we'll be able to fit it in our Zygos 5, which we love. So if you go to ultraspire.nz for the good deals. I mean, fantastic range of... Race vests, handhelds, uh, bigger packs for fast packing and like Alpine adventures. If you were, oh, I mean, it's probably a little bit too close to start talking about Alpine adventures for everyone. But still, you know, if you wanted to to get something like that, um, ultraspire.nz for the goodness. Last and specifically, not least, further faster, the best independently owned outdoors store in the known universe they've just had their sale and i think that we availed ourselves of some sale items which are using loving very very impressed with but the best thing i think is they had their pre-loved store so they had a pop-up where they got uh, secondhand pre-loved gear, reconditioned, good condition, and and on-sold it. Because in this day and age, cutting down on the old, you know, use of this kind of tech 
fabrics, etc. I mean, it's not it's not going in the landfill, is it? So in, you know, pre-loved is the best form of sustainability. So if you go to furtherfaster.co.nz, check them out, give them some love, tell them we said hi, go stand outside the store, sing the jingle as loud as you can. They love it. They go something like further, faster, they're in Christchurch, Rocky is hairy and so is Badger, Jules is nice and Jack is delicious, go to further, faster now. Oh, further, faster, they're in Christchurch, Rocky is hairy and so is Badger, Jules is nice and Jack is delicious, go further, faster now. Dirt Church Radio. Episode 218 of Dirt Church Radio. We made it. Where are we, Eugene? We're at Sydney Airport, uh, about to make our way back to Aotearoa. And why are we in Sydney, Eugene? Because we have been here for Ultra Trail Australia 2022. Uh, why do we have such husky voices, Matt? Because we've stayed up for about four days doing mm. runner stuff. It's been like running camp. We've mm. been on the commentary team. We were lucky enough to do that. And uh, you'll hear what we got up to in a series of interviews and highlights. And we're just going to run it down, excuse the pun. Why don't we do that? Uh, yeah, let's get, just get into it. Cheers, Matt Raymond. Cheers, mate. Oh, sorry. Oh, I didn't get the hang thing. on. There you go, there you go. So we're sitting in a portion of what's called the KCC, Katoomba Christian Camp, at Ultra Trail Australia by UTMB. Yeah, what a, uh, yeah, what an experience. We are kind of, what are we, 300 metres from the start-finish area? Yeah, we're about 300. Down the hill, uh, and it feels like we're in amongst it, encased in the UTA really doesn't it it feels like we're it feels like we're a running camp and the mm. reason that we're here to be very clear is is we've been asked to come over and be part of the commentary team mm. so it's a trans-tasman affair there's uh eugene and i and there's dave stewart and ben yeah and we do have that sense don't we of this is the spot that was Made by yes. Kerry and Ellie. It was. Uh, you know, and there's so much love for the two of them here. Um, Kerry Suter and Ali Pottinger, who obviously, you know, I was going to say made their name, but it's more, more than much, much more than that. Uh, coaching and, uh, and, and becoming part of the team here at UTA. And there really is so much aroha for them. Over here, you can really, really, mm. really sense it, can you? And we've started to see squad run um, runners about, out and about. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we just need, you know, we just want, wanted to acknowledge that and them. And we, Sebastian, congratulations. Yeah, definitely that sense of mm. we're here to um, certainly not be pay limitations because we're not we're not Kerry and Ellie. We're However, a different cut. We're different. <laughs> yeah, we're cut from a different cloth. However you know, um, asked to be part of the commentary team and and here we are and it really was, you know, yesterday was a, was a, a long day, it was a strange day, travelling, you know, you start day in one country, finish running in another and just try, trying to soak up really the beauty and the grandeur and the vastness of the Blue Mountains is, it's incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd read so much about the Blue Mountains, you know, seen videos and photos and so on. But it's, yeah, still jaw-dropping, wasn't mm. it? Actually 
seeing them and then especially this morning actually i mean we went for a run last night after we'd arrived and that was quite something out on the the new 11k course as it were but this morning uh when devon took us out and showed us around a little bit and it was around sunrise Mm. absolutely magic stunning stunning scenery yeah, again, <laughs> hard to comprehend. We we took you know photos and photos and videos on our phone, but you know going down the giant staircase and then wending our way along to the the famous Ferber steps and and, and trudging up there got uh, just a sense of the of the scale and the difficulty of the event uh, as it stands. And this year's been quite a change because all the change all the course cha- all the courses have been changed, mm. and they've been changed because of the, you know the amount of flooding and track closures. And that was in evidence today when we were running with Devon. We'd be you know here and down a trail. You go oh we'll go down here and it'd be closed. Bit chain yeah. across it so you you couldn't go down there and um just you know the the scale of the event you know I think this is, you know north around seven thousand runners mm. over the over the four distances and goodness me today you know we so today was the 11 kilometer run and on a new course and we did it the night before and it's it it was great and and the consensus was from the runners that that you know tougher than they thought it would be i think some people thought well Mm. there's not as much trail per se so it'll be an easier course Mm. certainly wasn't the case no a lot of climbing a lot of climbing and i guess you know we need to acknowledge there's been a hell of a lot of challenge getting Mm. this event on and you know not everyone was happy in the lead up to the event uh people wanted to know what was going on and the organizers couldn't say because they were still trying to scramble trying to put courses together and so on so there's been a lot of sort of um yeah um in the build up to this event um a little bit of uh yeah excitement around it but it's that old thing isn't it once an event actually gets underway um the magic returns and there was that real sense this morning wasn't there at the start line for the 100k sorry for the 11k as people crowded around and we got ready and we were commentating with dave um dave stewart and it was just that buzz was in the air, wasn't it? We were back racing. Yeah, we were back racing. And certainly watching, you know, people today, the gamut of people's experience, you know, um, a lot of young guns out there mm. uh, having, a, having a great time. And a lot, of, a lot of very, very, you know, fit, capable-looking people and a lot of people who fit, capable to their own standards and and challenging, I guess, mm. what they thought was possible and some some really, really affecting emotional moments. Mm. And, what was it, 64% women yeah. the, or female in the field. Um, and that was very, very evident, wasn't it? It was it a was, um, very strong field in that regard, uh, both at the pointy end of the field and, um, you know, throughout the day. Mm. Uh, and lots of uh, people who obviously had come together in... Um, groups, training groups, and coming across the line, you know, hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had had a chat to Rachel's runners, for instance, which was this huge group of women who uh, trained together, and they started out as a group of um, couch to five k runners. Yeah, and they'd started out, you know, just just doing that, and then. You know, they ticked off 5K, and so they thought, oh, well, we'll go for a bit further and a bit further and a bit further. And now, you know, now it's grown over eight years. They've got a huge group here, and they were running um, all the different distances. 
It's inc- um, it was great to see, you know, so many women getting involved, getting mm. amongst it. Mm-hmm. My, I, I think my favourite moment of the day, and I, I think perhaps I've broken the record for, um, you know, commentator who burst into tears first. Maybe I've got Kerry's record. I'm not Ooh, sure. I don't know. I don't know. It's but a tough by three ten in the afternoon, there was an older gentleman, you know, and he he he, he looked like a like a, a typical Australian bloke. He had a, you know he had a, a brimmed hat a on, and, hat on, and, and his name was Fred. Crushed my hand in this like real strong handshake, and I said, "Oh, you know, what are you doing here?" And he said, oh, "I'm waiting for my granddaughter. It's her first trail run. Her name was Danielle." And um, he said, "You know, she's, you know, he, he he said she's, you know, a little bit sort of unsure of you know herself. It's a very normal stage, you know, of life." And he goes, "Oh, but she, you know, she's doing her first trail run." And then there was a little bit after. Uh, she came down and she'd actually hurt herself on the run, but she finished. She was visibly limping, and her dad ran in with her, and just you know, you could see the emotion on her face, mm. and the, perhaps a little bit of like, oh, I should have been faster. I should have done this, but she did this thing, this incredible thing, and I just lost it. I've, mm. I've really mm. did, um, and it was that sense of yeah, running's back, and and what it means for all of us we, we talk about it all the time you know it's community it's it's that fellowship it's the stewardship it's the the intimacy of it and just seeing this granddad waiting for his granddaughter mm. you know and and how proud he was and yeah how, and how much it meant to her as how well much it meant to you her. Know, that just, she had ticked off this thing that she you know sought to achieve and she wasn't sure if she could make it and and she had and here she was and yeah it was a, it was a real moment that's for sure that's for sure yeah the other thing i want to talk about too today with the 11k they tried uh rolling starts Mm. so um sorry i'm about to i was about to switch into habitual commentator mode don't forget you're in the start (laughs) yeah the the messages that we had to get out you had to stay in your start groups but uh, to be honest i was a little bit skeptical before it's different from our experience yeah and so what it was was you got assigned or you self-seated and you got assigned a start group and then you had to stick to your start group. You couldn't jump ahead. And then even within those start groups, they split people up and, and rolled them out. And so I was like, oh, how's this going to go? But what it meant was that throughout the day, as people came back, there was no great big the bell curve no. of runners coming back. Um, so there was a smooth um, rolling train of people coming in. And it meant that everyone kind of got their moment. Yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was uh, once I saw the people with the tape moving, moving the tape. I thought yeah. they've got it. Yeah, they've got it. They, they it really, they had it like clockwork. And yeah. it's, it was really interesting seeing those waves of runners. And what mm. it meant was, in practical terms, that the winners coming through in around sort of forty-five minutes, um, that they they were they were finishing before some people had started, mm. and. That's just how they roll it here, yeah. and and especially with the out and back course, because mm. there were some sections where you could see, especially the steps, you know, going down into, um, they colloquially called the Naranek, you know, um, that could get a bit hectic. You, you'd think if they was just a massive bottleneck of people. Yeah, but yeah, it cleared up the bottlenecks and it made for a smooth, smooth race. But you know, talking about the pointy end. Um, the, the the women's race, you could throw a blanket over the first three. Jane Wegener, uh, Katie Conlon, who had a baby on board. 
yeah, as well. Katie Conlon, uh, pregnant. Uh, uh, yeah, and <laughs> Melody McDonald. Um, yeah, fifty six oh two for the winning time, fifty seven fifty seven for the for for um, third place there. So they they were real close, and they had a, especially first and second. It was a, it was a ding dong all the way down the the finishing shoot, wasn't it? It was. It yeah, was. Yeah. Amazing times. Yeah, and uh, David Bailey, who um, strode out from the start and set the pace and was first at the turnaround, he came home first, um, forty seven thirty eight. Casper uh, Larkin, who was uh, what was he? He was a, he was a junior. He was was he fourteen? He was a junior. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, and Stefan Tornier, who uh, had backed up from, I think he backed up from the. No, no, no. Sorry, I'm getting that wrong. I'm not going to say the Melbourne Marathon, but that's not right. Making stuff up. That's what I'm doing. Anyway, it was good to get the first day done. The 11k. How are you feeling, Matt? How are you? Are you? You know, because it's all about pacing with trail running. How are you feeling? I think, I mean, the thing is, isn't it, talking that much into a mic, projecting your voice, doing all that th- doing all that stuff, it was intensely fun. Um, it is a bit, you know, I think we're lucky in the fact that we are used to the sound of our own voice, you know, so that is one thing that I don't worry about anymore. It's something that I used to, so that's not a problem. But, yeah, I, I feel tired. Mm. I'm tired and I'm looking forward to, you know, having a restful day, having a restful night and then you know we've got to get up we're, we're, back into it. we're back into it we start 0600 tomorrow morning mm-hmm. through to 5 and um, there'll be four of us on the mic for the for the 21k and I'm, I'm really really looking forward to 22K, it 22k yeah. 22k sorry yeah, I keep yeah. dropping the one it's going to be awesome so look let's uh, head off for a cup of tea and a lie down okay <laughs> alright day two we are here at the KCC, we're back. Uh, voice check, voice still intact, and we're joined by our commentary brethren, Dave Stewart and Ben Berryman. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hello. Thanks for having us. You're Dave. And you are. <laughs> yeah, hi, g'day. I'm Ben. Uh, it's been awesome today. I'm looking forward to a bit of a chat now. So today was the 22-kilometre event, the, the UTA... 2022-22. Which I could never get. All day, I just messed up. Way it's too just many twos. Con- Way too many, too many twos. twos. Especially when they put the prize giving on at 2 o'clock as well. It's just... You had to be there too. What's that? Yeah, like the 22, <laughs> on the 22, at be- 2, and you had to be there too. True. true. Yeah. yeah. Too true. <laughs> Look, it, it's great to catch... We are the new kids on the block, obviously. Um and it would be great just to get your thoughts briefly on, you know, what is so good about this event and, 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 and what keeps you coming back year after year. Start with your day. Oh, look, I think it's, it's about community, absolutely, is a, is a big part of it. Uh, I mean, I've watched this event grow over the years from the original event directors that started this from back in the day when there was only probably 60 participants uh, and uh, and so to now see it where it is. Obviously, things have changed uh, in the ownership of the event and the running of the event, uh, but that's all part of progression. And uh, I'm excited by the spirit of what the human body is can do and what is possible. And and evident today and and yesterday, but also I'm sure for the next couple of days is uh, yes, we've got some gun runners out there that are able to push their body to the limit um, but then it's all those other people that come through that are setting themselves some life goals and they're ticking them off 
And what about you, Ben? Yeah, look, I think that's... I think you've used a real good word in community to kick it off. I'll argue every day that the Blue Mountains is, is, is not the best, one of the best running communities you're going to experience coming in and being a part of. And I think it's that way for a couple of reasons. We've got... And events is part of it. We've got, we've got your grassroots events that get the local community in and active on a monthly basis. We've got your historic events like Six Foot track and wood for the glenbrook and then we've got your big ticket item and this, this is the big ticket item clearly you know it's the big show brings thousands of people into town and so i think you know it's piece in the puzzle in, in what it does for our community is really significant and it's been great to watch it grow yeah that was really evident today like all the and there's disparate running clubs that's one of the things that struck me the most is just the different communities but you know you can't remember who it was but what did you say like you can't get lost lost if you don't have a map and that was like a group that had been going since 1973 yeah that's the look i've got to give credit that's the uh that's the bullion bush, bush running crew you know and there's another group down in sydney barara bush runners those two groups as bush running you know we don't even call it trial racing it's bush running they're, they're they predate this concept of trail running and yeah the bullions are awesome that's their whole motto if you don't have a map you can't be lost <laughs> <laughs> don't try this at home kids <laughs> and especially not in australia i mean we're, we're adjusting we're adjusting to the uh to the fauna like there's a moth over outside there that looks like i hope that's a load-bearing wall is all i can say <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't i wouldn't be you know we've had old mate in the roof there you know we get things thudding around in the roof but we don't get them sort of talking back when you sort of <laughs> shout at them and then you know, Devon got savaged by a duck. Uh, the reserve, true story. True story. We were running through the down. reserve. He got charged at by a duck. I'm sure it had fangs. <laughs> Smoking a Benson and Hedges. You know, mating season. Yeah, it's the wrestling practice with the kookaburras <laughs> that they put in practice when they see the people. Yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't be charging through the bush here. Like, <laughs> or maybe you get used to it. Uh, how, how was today for you guys? What was your main sort of takeaways from the day? Yeah, look, today was a big day. Um, I, a lot of very fierce competitors on, on the start line for that earlier group there this morning that uh, obviously were wanting to, to push the the limits. Uh, but look, it, massive. Like I think there was, again, another two number. I think there was over 2,000 people that were on the start line there today. Uh, obviously, the weather condition played a part today as well. Uh, we've had four seasons in two days up here so far, uh, and, and the Blue Mountains has thrown everything at us. And, but that is also the, the beauty about running in the bush, running in the Blue Mountains, and this is, is the Blue Mountains, is, uh, it's unpredictable. And so we had a windshield easily this morning of close to zero degrees out there this morning, and I definitely told you to wear the wrong choice of clothing, <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll take that on board, I'll take that on the chin. Uh, so, yeah, it was, and I, I think that changed people's mindset. But then as the day went on, the sun came out sure it was still a little bit windy a little bit blustery uh but the smiles returned and uh yeah so look big day but i think it was also another just another preview of what to expect for what's coming up over the weekend and ben what about you what were your highlights of today i think uh i think there's two things about the day that that stood out one like you've got two thousand people but they were equally spread in in finishing time from start to finish you don't have this huge grouping in the center you've got this genuine consistent through and i think that's reflective that that it really attracts a lot of people 
that might not be attracted to running events as such, you know. Um, and, and I know we talked about this after, you know, you guys calling them athletes and runners, people taking that on board and go, well, I actually am. Like I did this. So I, I love that. I love that this 22 brings out an equal spread of people on, on sort of, I suppose, a pace range that you're going to travel. But the other thing I loved was people's realisation that there's no such thing as an easy course in the Blue Mountains, you know. So, that, you know, there was some chatter beforehand and, and, and full credit to the team for getting an event running for people so they had something to do because cause I know how difficult it is mm. in the mountains to put on events. Um, and, and there was some chatter around, oh, it's a road race, it's going to be super fast, it's going to be too easy now. And I think it was pretty clear from everybody, there's no such thing as a flat race in the mountains. It might not be on some of the single tracks, but you've still got plenty of hills and, and you've still got views everywhere was the other thing I heard people talking about. So I think that was a big thing today. Yeah, there was that chat and, um, you know, just touching briefly, that was put, pay, you know, so far in the, in, in the festival that that has been put to bed very quickly. Those first runners, you know, they're like, wow, that was that was in, in, incredibly tough. And, and, I mean, you can't, you know, you turn left and there's a, a view, right? You go down to the end of your drive and there's a view of the buttons. It's, it's a pretty spectacular place well, there to was be. A bit of feedback towards uh, from runners at the end. One said... Uh, there was more stairs, uh, enough more, stairs to sink, to sink a battleship. battleship, and then the other one gave a bit of feedback, which we can't repeat on Dirt Church Radio because we're a family show. But you know, fair to, suffice to say, mm. people were finding it tough today. I mean, you still were having to work hard; your, your legs were being smashed about. Yeah, like you've got to travel a long way to find some flat ground if you're looking for flat ground. And and look, even maybe being on roads and fire trails for some parts of it, it's an opportunity to be looking up a bit more mm. and not having to concentrate. And so you do get to see more of the view than you might in some of those other ones. So you've got to work pretty hard to find a bad place to run yeah. up here. Yeah. I love the fact that I love mixed terrain runs. Like, I love it. I think it's, I think it's more difficult. You know, yes, your time's going to be slower on a trail. It's, it's more so d- dynamic. But then you get, if, you, if you're on gravel, then you're on road, then you're on single track, then it's such an adjustment, eh? And people... Do you know they, they they crack their bickies and they're running on the road and then and especially the single track that you guys have it's incredible. Um, any any sort of performances that stand out for you guys today? Oh look, there was some definitely some locals. Uh, Lily Roth, for example, who I just presented the award to in her age category. I mean, she raced the eleven k yesterday. She told me afterwards that she didn't have a great race, but then she's just taken out her age category in that eighteen to twenty nine age category. You know, so I mean, it's people like that. I mean. Uh, the, uh, the in the men's the overall winner uh, Courtney Atkins obviously he's a professional uh, he was second he got gassed no, no, you let me finish oh, oh, hang on, hang on. Oh, okay hang on. sorry we're here for a good time and a long time <laughs> Courtney what I was about to say Courtney professional athlete we were told he was winning and then gets taken over by a local runner, little known, who's I've actually had the privilege of commentating who won a previous event this year already and comes and, and gets him on the road of all places and he beats him. So it's it's like it's little things like that um, that are absolute standouts. But it's also to, to Ben's point before, and you guys touched on it as well, so many different people coming for the first time. I mean, we were doing this on the start. Put your hand up if you've been here for the first time. So many. And even people rolling in for the the bigger events over the weekend, they don't even know the directions because they've never been here before, which means we're attracting new people to this race. Mm. Mm. 
Look, I think uh, that first time, you know, the one that really stood out to me, because, you know, you get the people that come from the crowd and go, oh, this person's about to finish, can you make a call out? And they're often really cool stories, but the one I loved was the, the one that goes, my dad's coming, he's just turned 70, and this is the first event he's ever done. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. Like, at 70, just going, I'm going to do a 22K run, and I've never done an event in my life. I, that was awesome. I like that one. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. And then... There's a couple of family type ones out there, you know, that you know, parents and kids that, that you know that have, have got together, and yeah. and the kids have watched parents do it, and the parents have been smart enough to wait for the kid to say, "Can I do this with you now?" Mm. And, and then suddenly it's all, you know, everyone's in, and that, that was really cool. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's that uh, as a parent, and you know, it's it's not an advice thing, but like we learned, just if you like something, just leave your kids alone about it. Don't. <laughs> Just almost, you know, actively discourage them and, and they'll either follow you or they won't. My thing, my favorite one today was, you know, a woman finished and she burst into tears on the, on, burst into tears and she just kept on saying, I did it. I did it. I did it. You know, and that sense of, of disbelief, like she couldn't believe what she'd done. And that was just so, it was really magic to be there and witness that and, and to be able to kind of like, celebrate that and i think also that sense of if you haven't i haven't heard people just doing and maybe it's a cultural thing you know i'm just doing the 22 i haven't heard that you know i've heard i'm doing the 22 and and this is what i'm doing this is my race hmm. i reckon that's been a big shift around all like this event but all events too you know this whole thing of of not like i think it comes down to this idea that like respect yourself for what you're doing because 22s is an awesome race oh. and, and this is a challenging course and and I, I, I agree with you i think that's a big shift culturally that we've seen there's been a massive increase in people respecting themselves and what they've actually achieved and uh, and i think it also stems from us respecting each other and people who've been able to say constantly you know like there's no just about it so yeah that's that was that's awesome today to see people so so happy with their achievement um across the line and it's that it's that combined culture that we spoke about before in community. I mean, we've done a great job this year and we've got the start and finish line in the same venue. We're all wrapped up in one and it's new and obviously it's change, but people are able to see obviously the start and, and the anticipation and the nervousness and whatever else goes into that and the stress and then they're also, but then at the finish line, the relief and the absolute admiration then from their peers and and it's that's what we had that opportunity to walk down that shoot a couple of times today and we were hanging out down there and listening to people's stories as you mentioned earlier ben and you know same with you eugene like it's it's those stories that then we get excited we get moved and i've seen you guys move to tears already this weekend and i've had chills definitely with a couple of occasions so it's yeah it's inspiring stuff there was also another inspiring move down the finishing shoot, Ben, but it was the opposite direction. Do you want to tell us what happened? I don't know what happened exactly. I'm a bit, um, a bit in, in, in shock still. Like we're sitting there calm, excitedly but calmly, you know, managing the crowd. People are excited and, and out of nowhere, it's like, I don't know where it came from. This hurricane came screaming through the finish shoot, like screaming with their full on the best trip, you know, I don't know if I can use radio stations here. Um, you know, <laughs> Triple M radio announcer voice boomed out. No, nah, it was awesome. It was awesome. It certainly brought a big 
spike. Yeah, the, the, the spirit of Kerry Suter is live and well at this event. <laughs> he was travelling like Sterling Mortlock when he got that intercept <laughs> of the Bledisloe Cup that time. You remember that? And he was just gassing it. The last time Johnny won at Eden Park, we, well, we won't talk about that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that, it was a long time ago. Does anyone remember? <laughs> Who can remember? Anyway. Yeah. Hey, so, look, the, the pointy end of the race, um, to acknowledge those, but uh, Ingrid Cleland um, was first home. She's backing up for the 100k tomorrow, by the way. Epic. Uh, Lucy Holman was second home, and she was first at the turnaround. Um, so Ingrid chased her, chased her down. And Sarah Jane Miller was um, third, and that was that was quite a ding-dong for, for second and third in particular, but all three of them is only... It's less than two minutes separates the three of them, so that was a good race. Second and third, seven seconds. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the uh, the other ding-dong battle was third and fourth in the men's, Liam McKenzie and Charlie Brooks. Yeah. And uh, there was a sprint finish there, and, uh, yeah, Liam got Charlie right on the line. Yeah, so so Robbie Begg um, took out the W um, with Courtney Atkinson second, and, as you mentioned, and Liam McKenzie third. So, I know um, what I'm talking about. <laughs> So yeah, some some good racing and and um, you know it's yeah as much as we um, yeah the the whole the spirit of the event is in is in the rest of the field, isn't it? But we still like to see those races, don't we? Yeah, absolutely, it's you know there's excitement at the at the at the fast end and and particularly look the the closeness of the women across the line. You know, second and third they had nothing left when they they hit the line and they hit the ground and and then i think the excitement in the men's is you know courtney's a big name he's 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 done an awful lot you know for those listeners who aren't familiar tell us a bit about him yeah well look you know he's he's extensive experience in triathlon multiple time olympian many world championship representation for australia and and done some incredible stuff as i suppose you know, as, as a Red Bull athlete, he's got some pretty interesting FKT type thing, challenges that, that you can see on on your YouTube type setups and, and those sorts of things. So, you know, elite athlete. So, so I guess for our, our local Sydney guy to come through and, and to grab grab a win on that today. I mean, I, Courtney must feel like he has a target on his back every time he turns up yeah. to an event because of you know what he, who he is and what he's done. But I think that that you know that, that's yeah. a pretty exciting sort of race. And he, he he took it graciously as well, wasn't he? He was he was um, yeah excited on the finish line. There was no kind of sour grapes about it. He he went out for a race and he got pipped and he, he was yeah he was good about it. That's what I loved at the at, at the end for both uh, the men and the women. You know the there was people retching. There was people. Um, you know, Ingrid at the you know held the mic up to it, and she she made words, but there was no air coming out because she was yeah. so gassed. They were, you know, people they they just gassed it, and but the sense of camaraderie was was fantastic. It was no less than the people in the party bus or the people sort of in the caboose. You know, the the I can only imagine it's what you want, right? You're in the top three. You've got 900 stairs to get up, and the person's seven seconds behind you. You must love that, like, and knowing how hard you're going to have to push to hold it or chasing them down. For you know, if, if they're super, you know, competitive, that's that's your that's your key motivator. Yeah. It's got to be like an an awesome sort of experience to be part of. Well, that push was evident, and I mentioned it a couple of times. Probably within the top 200, there was some. Mm. incredible sprint finishes and a couple of people came across the line and said everyone was going flat out that's one of the fastest halves they've done you know like everyone was going flat out but but ben touched on it before as well i think uh and briefly like there was a little bit of a difference from yesterday obviously there's a lot of people coming out to do the 11k and it's a new race it's a new thing for them 
Whereas for the 22 today, you got people, yes, there's people sticking their hands up and doing something for the first time and stretching themselves, but there's also some serious end of the mm. stick. And when we started on the start line today, it was like we got down there at six o'clock this morning and it was almost like ready, set, go. And we had a slight little uh, falter with some uh, technical on the track, but we got rid of that. So we had to hold them up for about five minutes, but the nervous anticipation, because they're ready to race. Mm. They're ready to race and they're ready to rumble. Mm. Mm. We should probably wrap up and let you guys go and get yeah. some sleep because you guys are on the early shift. But Ben, I just wanted to, to you know, tell us a bit about, you're, you're a man of these mountains. Um, <laughs> tell us a bit about, about yourself, um, where you live and, and your involvement with the sport here in the Blue Mountains. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, I guess he didn't mean that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was very yeah, like yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so look, you know, I, I guess I, I do have a deep love for the running and the running community in the mountains. Um, I think it stems because uh, I don't know who I was talking about today, but but you know, this is this is my fortieth year of continuous running in my life. I did my first ten k from run when I was eight, and. And that was because as I was growing up, there was already this really strong running community. At that stage, there was the Blue Mountains joggers. They were a, they were a real force to be reckoned with in the, in the fun run scene. You know, they'd take out the big Sydney clubs at City to surf and those sorts of things in the team's events. And so it was just fostered. And so I guess, I guess you know, you, you live in an environment for 40 years. You grow to love the environment you live in. You know, I've done a lot of outdoor ed teaching in the back and I've got this deep love of the natural environment and and so it's just for me that the running here is just brings all those things together it's the physical it's the promotion of, of physical activity it's engagement with the natural environment and it's bringing a community together so you know that's just resulted in in, in I suppose a deep involvement in lots of aspects of running in the mountains um, you know we've great pleasure to to be involved with with running wild new south wales when they're being established and, and and running some of their events there's some pretty cool events that they put on you know they're the low-key monthly type things and 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 then you know there's the, the blue mountains marathon clinic which we've got running which which in essence is using social media as a notice board that's the whole concept this realization that there are so many people that run in this environment and there are also as well as that, there are some incredible runners that have come through the Blue Mountains. You know, the Ben St. Lawrence's, that like, you know, this Rob Spilling, if you go back a, a, an era before that, those sorts of things. And, and so it was just about establishing a notice board that can bring those people together. Doesn't matter who you're coached by, doesn't matter what suburbs you live in, doesn't matter what you do for a job. If you want to go for a run, just put it on the notice board. People, people may turn up, they might not, you know, keep asking. And and promote the local events and really just helping build that community has been the big interest there. So, you know, we're, what are we now, 11 or 12 years operating, a couple of thousand people come and go from it, lots of regular weekly events, you know, training opportunities. So I guess, yeah, that's that's sort of been the pleasure of, of my involvement with running in the mountains. And, and I sort of, <clears throat> I carry them, I suppose I try... I try just to be a facilitator of, of other people doing stuff. Where it gets uncomfortable for me is is where you start being positioned as a person that's that's doing it. I, mm. And I just I want to position myself as someone that, that provides platforms that facilitates anyone to lead it. Um, and I th- yeah, look, as I said at the start, the Blue Mountains 
is genuinely the best running community I know of. It is awesome here. Um, they get behind every event that turns up. Um, they get behind each other. You know, we've got all the pieces in, in place here to support it. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a bit about me, and I just enjoy doing the events. Bloody good. All right, well, day three tomorrow. It's going to be the big day for us. A lot of self-management. How? Just finally, voices out of 10. Yeah. Where are you? Where are you, Dave? Oh, I'd still think I'm probably at about an eight. I'm being optimistic, but I'm putting it eight. I didn't start that strong this morning, but I came good. Yeah, I'd like to plug my uh, my my voice sponsor Teams and Zoom meetings for the last eighteen months that have promoted my ability to talk nonstop across screens. I'm feeling really good. I feel like I've prepared well for this. Um, no, much better position than last year. This time last year, I was in a world of trouble with a big night shift sitting ahead of me. So I'm 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 sitting eight to nine. I'm feeling pretty happy. The reality well, is, I just. The reality is I just like the sound of my own voice, really. So. <laughs> Which is why you're doing the prize giving jetties. Anyway, <laughs> look, we have absolutely loved, uh, you know, meeting you guys and, and working with you on the – it doesn't even feel like work on – the, on the finish line, and uh, we're looking forward to, to rounding it up. So, um, you know, Namihi Nui, thank you for having us here uh, in your beautiful, beautiful part of the world. And, uh, and didgeridoo is the word that I learnt through my uh, Aboriginal education colleagues in education. And thank you for coming along and joining us too. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you guys. It does feel like Kerry Suter's behind us sometimes, but uh, hmm. and kudos to There's him. Only but, uh, yeah. There's only one Kerry Suter. What's that? There's only one Kerry Suter. That's true. There's, there is only one. But no, nah, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I really thank you for this opportunity, guys. Matt, it is UTA 100. And UTA 50, race day. Did you notice how I said 50? You think I'm picking up an accent? Anyway, uh, we are heading out on course. It's exciting, bit chilly, minus 1.8 wind chill this morning. How are you feeling? I'm feeling not used to this wind chill. Um, to give the listeners a visual representation of what's happening, we're in a, in a rental car waiting for... Uh, our mate, your coach, Mark Green, to come back from a pre-run run. I see him running down the road as we speak, and uh, with the, with his dogs. And it's a beautiful day. It is bluebird, um, but bloody, bloody hell, it's cold. It is, yeah, as we said, minus one point eight. Not used to that. It's very nippy. Uh, but anyway, we're going to head out on course to catch up with the runners before we do our late shift on the uh, on the mic. Exciting days ahead. Oath. Right, take two, because somebody forgot to hit record. Uh, we are with Running Royalty, Mark Green, the body mechanic. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. It's nice to be out for a run with you boys in the Blue Mountains. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty pretty privileged to have such a special guide taking us around. This is your local patch. It is indeed, yep. We live, uh, well, we started this run at my house, which is probably only about 3k from where we are now. So yeah, it's pretty good. That's why we're sounding fresh. <laughs> How far, like, can you describe for us where we are on the course? I mean, we've just ducked down off the course proper for the out bit, but they're going to be coming back through here. Can you just describe a little bit about where we are on the course and in relation to where the runners will be going? Yeah, so we started at my place, which is on one of the ridge lines that this new course is going to be uh, sort of I mean, dominated by, I guess, uh, just because the valley's so wet. So that's probably, our place is 28k, I think, into the course, and then we've come backwards towards the runners, seen all the leading guys, go Sam and Scotty and any other Kiwis out there, uh, and Aussies. Completely neutral. Um, and so we've seen, we've probably seen the first few hundred runners, haven't we, actually? Um, and so we've come over Wentworth Falls, and, um, and now we've just, like you said, ducked off the track, 
and now we're down on a little bit looking over the Jamison Valley and this is where the guys are going to come back at about 80k so um, yeah they'll be here in a few hours time yeah and so the legs will be feeling it here and what what's what's from here is it sort of is there much climbing to go from here so the well because of the changes because you can't get under the valley the climbing's not massive but it's um it's just basically constantly stairs from here all pretty much all the way to the finish all the way to three sisters and then the last bit of the three from the three sisters back to scenic world is currently being renovated the track so i think they're on the road for that last kilometer or so yeah but yeah otherwise it's all track like we've been on here so yeah. just truck loads of stairs and pretty good surface yeah yeah it's nice nice runnable surface hey man team how we doing good good good, good. Good. Here we go. You run, nice everyone out running? Cracker. He's yeah. been out sitting the course. Sorry. Oh. You've been out sitting the course? Uh, yeah, just floor running. Main choving's all good, so. Yeah? Is, is it all looking good? Yeah, yeah. A few, uh, few hairy ones. Some people have some people have taken down uh, Little Switzerland Road, so. Oh. Yeah, that was good fun, so. What? Oh, they gone the wrong way? No, as oh, in uh, someone yeah. took down the yeah. signs. Oh. Yeah. So, I don't know, but uh, no, it's not looking too bad. So, yeah. Gordon Falls is looking good, so. Yeah, looking no. good conditions, eh? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of wind, but you, you reckon it's, this is nothing? Uh, yeah, it gets windy up here. We get truckloaded. Tr um, yeah, we get absolutely smashed by westerlies. So, this, believe it or not, is a relatively calm day. It's probably like 30 or 40 kilometres an hour, but it gets well over 100 and fairly regularly. Yeah. yeah, it's the one downside of living up here is just because we're exposed to those westerlies. Yeah, and we've been keeping in touch, and you were pretty, you know, at times pessimistic about whether the race itself would go ahead because you guys have been absolutely slammed by weather. Yep, it's been uh, tumultuous three or four years. So it started with the fires in 2019. Um, and so that was like you pretty much couldn't go anywhere here they closed it off to tourists and uh it was pretty dodgy you would have seen like billows of smoke from where we're standing now actually um and so that was i don't know what that was three or four months worth of pretty hectic fires and then in the february of 2020 it started bucketing and it hasn't stopped uh we've probably you're lucky to get five dry days in a row and then it'll just be another downpour it's coming back in again next week and so the valley is just cactus it's like knee deep mud and uh, there's lots of leeches in there, so like, people, people like are, actual leeches, actual leeches. People are finishing runs with 20 leeches attached, and people go running now with salt canisters to to put them on the leeches to to get rid of them. So there's a hot tip for you. Yeah, there'll be some UTA <laughs> runners probably grateful that they're not down there in the uh, in the mud pit. Um, the ridge lines, which is where the course has had to be deviated to, uh, they're pretty good. There's still a bit of water running around, but it, obviously we're at yeah. the top of the pile, so it, it runs down from here. I mean, the bits that we've been on so far are nice, nice runnable. It's you know the condition the track conditions are good. Um, it's, it's you're in the tree, so for lots of it, so it's pretty protected as well. Yeah, even though it's windy, um, like last year, because uh, the race is normally in May. This year has been deferred to October, so in theory it's warmer at this time of the year. Yeah. Um, so May last year it was wasn't 100 kilometres an hour, but it was stronger than this, and the wind chill factor was minus 10, so people were getting pretty cold. So especially the sort of the people that are walking more than running, yeah. losing a bit of body temperature, and then so lots of them were getting pulled into the tent at um, checkpoint five and sort of made to warm up before they're allowed to carry on just with hypothermia and stuff. Mm. So yeah, today's actually I reckon it's perfect running conditions because it could, in theory, you know, could have been 30 degrees and uh, and sweltering as well. Yeah. You happy with the course, Matt? Yeah. Oh, look, it's overwhelming. <laughs> We're standing, you know, on the edge of a 250 metre vertical drop. We're looking across at, you know, bloody millions of years old cliffs, or it, it just keeps. It's just a, yeah. It's a, it's it's overwhelming. Yeah. This is a cli it's actually a climbing mecca as well. Yeah, so um, yeah, I think before trail running was was a big thing. Um, this place is dragged 
climbers, uh, from my understanding, from all around the world for yeah. years, just because of these vertical cliffs. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, beautiful part of the world you've got here. Thank you for taking us on a run. No worries, it's been fun. Let's keep going. All right. Where are we, Matt, now? So we're at checkpoint four on the 50k course. Um, Queen Vic Hospital, and there is a steady stream of keyed up looking runners coming through. It's beautiful conditions. It's, it's warmed up a little bit, but it's still nice and cool and crisp. It's bluebird day, and man, people are coming through. It looks incredibly organised. And uh, yeah, a lot of bottles of coke. A lot, lot of bottles of, of coke. A lot of snakes, but not of the local variety. Well, a lot of local snakes too, but we just haven't seen them, eh? Just don't talk about them. Yeah, we won't talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> So, so this is um, yeah what we're seeing now coming through is the 50k runners, um, and we saw the leaders flying mm. through, uh, looking totally in control earlier. Um, so this is sort of the, the middle of the field. Later on, the 100k runners will be coming through here at 78k, I think it is. Um, so yeah, this is going to be a hive of activity throughout the day, but it's certainly. Yeah, it's warmer than when we were grizzling about the cold here. Yeah, it's, it's another minus one wind, um, and what we're seeing is, is just people look stoked to be here. Uh, I haven't seen anyone grumbling. We had a lovely little lovely little road section leading up into here, and, and can't wait to gonna get out and continue our jog. Yeah. Right, let's uh, find a runner and catch up with him. Here's, uh, here's, here's Mark. Here's Mark. Hang on. How are you going? Yeah, look, we're just uh, we're on the commentary team. We're just out doing some recording before okay. we uh, go yeah. on to the... Just having a look. How's your day going? Yeah, awesome, awesome. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Right on time. Wanted to be out of here at uh, 30 hours, so 30 seconds. I'm tracking along. Last year I was dead at this stage, so <laughs> perfect. Well, you're certainly not dead. We can report that. And I learnt me lesson from last year. What are the conditions like this year? But bit warmer. Uh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. No, nice wind. Uh, you know, it's a shit house at night time, but uh, perfect when you're running. So. <laughs> Can't complain. Can't nice. complain. Oh. I'll get a coke and on my way. Yeah. Nice one, man. Cheers, guys. Take Cheers. care of yourself, eh? Send it, man. See you at the finish line. <laughs> All right, watch out for the snakes, Matt. We're, we've tucked off, tucked off the trail. We are taking our life in our hands. We are deep into the Australian uh, shrub, into the bush. And and koalas? No, no, no koalas. No koalas. Um, but we are at checkpoint two yeah. on the Ultra Trail Australia 150k course, and my God, what? What a, it's, it's bloody good. Yeah. So this is about 30, what did he say, 31k? Yeah, 31k in. 31k in, um, going out, and um, runners looking in control. Um, yeah, it's a nice wide fire trail, isn't it? It's quite quite runnable. It's runnable and it's different, I mean, obviously it's different conditions from back home. It's like a soft, moon dusty kind of... Uh, beautiful bluebird day uh, the wind is not as pervasive here and uh, yeah stoked as this is great and we get to run back out now and cheer on all the runners and hopefully not get run down by the uh, <laughs> by the leaders of the 100k yeah yeah I think they're going to tear us down we um, we've had a chat to a few runners um, Damo yep. who's a local who um, said yeah you know the course has changed but this is actually quite good because this is areas where I wouldn't normally get to run and he he was having a fine old time yeah really really cool a real sense of gratefulness and there's another guy Ken who's from Melbourne and he made them well we should have identified ourselves as not doing the 100k because we pushed past him a little bit and he sort of caught up to us and we were like don't pay any attention to us but we're just having a jog um but he was saying he's from Melbourne and just loving being out of the rain and he was off to broom after this so and again just loving being out and yeah just people are people are I heard the word yesterday I've not heard it for frothing people are frothing people are frothing right speaking of which we better start heading back so we can get back and get frothing on the finish line prepare our froth yeah don't don't, don't froth all at once
So, day, what is it? Day four for us, but I guess mm. we should uh, sort of run down what we ended up doing on the Saturday, which was the the big dance, the 50 and the 100K. Mm. So after we finished going for a run, we came back, we tried to sleep, we failed to sleep, and then we spent the night bringing home runners to the finish line from 4pm to 4am, which was actually quite a good time to be there because we made it in time to see the the top women coming home in the 100k mm. and then it sort of moved its way through to the tail end of the 50k which was where some really you know tough tough people <laughs> were trying to make it in and also the whole gamut really of the 100k finishes yeah it was incredible you know um we got to see troy sacks troy sacks troy sacks who we've had on the show before adaptive athlete uh australian sport hall of famer he came through. Inia Romati, also recently on the show. Incredible run. Katie Wright. Well, Inia, we'd seen earlier in the day, hadn't we? And he yeah. was in Struggle Street. In fact, he was sort of making noises like you thought, oh, I wonder if he's going to make it. Absolutely. Um, and we were like, no, no, he's tough, he's tough. But he'd be looking at a, like a, you know. 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Yeah, finish. Yeah, yeah. And then he just stormed home, didn't he? He did, he did. Well, he, he passed went, about 100 people? He passed a, roughly 100 people, yeah, from between... Mm. Sort of the last 30k, he just mm. kicked it up a gear and, and, and got after it. Yeah, and then came flying straight through the finish line and he was gone. And he was he off. Was, he was off. That's right. Yeah, and Katie, of course. Another explosive finish from Katie. You know, mm. we've gotten used to sort of the, the the very composed, but she really left it all out on the trail, came flying across the line and was saying, hey, look, you know, this is a... This is this is harder than Tarawera. Mm, mm, mm. We we also get to speak to. Um, well, just before I, I mm. guess we should give the results for yeah. the for the for the big races, the, the podiums like we have in the other races. So, uh, in the uh, UTA one hundred women's top three, Anna McKenna, and and she was streets ahead of the others. But then Erica Laurie and Naomi Brand were second and third. Naomi, of course, is originally from South Africa, but is living in Cromwell. Excuse the noise. It's a little inconvenient, my goodness me. Anyway, yeah, Naomi uh, just put the foot down and was chasing Erica hard for for second, and they entered the finishing shoot together uh, in a real ding dong. Like it was, you know, what, it was wonderful. It was, yeah. What was it? Eight seconds? No. Anyway, not long in between each other. Um, so that was a great race. But Anna had dominated and won a nine fifteen twenty three, which was I think twelfth overall. In the men's, Reese Edward was the winner, and he was, you know, what was he? He's a two fourteen marathon runner. So the the word on the street before the race was that he was going to be the the He's person be the to, beat, to beat, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But tell you what, Kiwis, they put on a ding dong battle to try and chase him down. They did. They um, did. Yeah, we'd seen earlier in the day, hadn't we? We'd seen Sam up the front uh, with with Reese. Looking pretty comfortable at the time yeah, we saw him. Absolutely. Um, and Scotty was in Scotty Hawker, sorry, was in the top five when we saw him. Yep. Early, like sort of thirty k in, wasn't it? Or yeah. maybe a little bit less than that. But yeah, Scotty came through and took second from uh, Sam in third. So it was great to see two Kiwis on the on the podium there. You know, great performances from both of them, wasn't it? Absolutely. Mm. So in the 50K, again, we'd seen the men come through, the lead men come through earlier in the day, and Ronnie Sparks, Ronnie Spark, sorry, and Peter Babis were 
oh, they're running, they're running like they were being chased, yeah. and they, you know, looked strong and composed, but really urgent. And I guess they were being chased yeah. because they had, you know, former uh, Australian Olympian Ben St. Lawrence just sitting back, maybe. Maybe four meters behind them, five meters behind them. Just, yeah. just sitting there. Just yeah. little, he looked calm as anything, and mm, um, mm. you know this man's got a twenty-six and change ten kpb, and yeah. and so it, so as we predicted, when I guess they got to the he got to the road, he he would have gone, hey boys, um, guess what? And gapped, yeah, and, and he did. He, he crossed victorious. Yeah, yeah, yeah fantastic yeah. result. Yeah. Afterwards, he was saying that um, local knowledge came into it as well because yeah. he was a local boy from Bulabara. From Bulabara, and he, you know, he'd run all around here. And Ronnie, who is not from around here, not from, he's from Dy or trains around Dy in Sydney, a British runner. Um, he had forgotten that the further steps, well, the section of the further steps, that was. In the course in the 50k was there. Oh dear! And, uh, he'd kind of spent himself by the time he got to the bottom of those. So yeah, Ben was like, "See you later." So uh, that was the top three in the men and the women. Patricia McKibben, McKibben, sorry, uh, from ACT. She took out the the win reasonably comfortably in the end over Gemma Jenkins, who has had some battles. Uh, she had surgery last year, which at the last minute, which kept her out of UTA, and Gillian Turnbull. From Melbourne was third, so yeah, some amazing, amazing races at the at the top of the field, uh, and yeah, we were privileged, weren't we, to see the rest of those fields come in? Or, or yeah, it was just, wonderful. Or, we spent, I mean, we spent the whole night basically on until the wee hours <coughs> of the morning uh, on the finish line, calling mm. people in and uh, engaging with the crowd. And there were some wonderful stories, and there were some wonderful. You know, experiences and shows of emotion. It was. It, it really was fantastic. Mm. You know, mm. excuse the croaky voices. Um, yeah. Well, Troy was one example, wasn't he? Because he remember we had him on the show after last year's race where he had run ninety two kilometers, and then his he had a mechanical. He had a mechanical. Yeah. So his prosthetic leg uh, snapped, didn't it? Well, had had some sort of issue with it, and he couldn't go any further. That's right. So he had to pull out. But this year he he came back and he got it done mm, uh, it was mm. great to see him come home we loved bringing him bringing him in on the mic but so we just want to bring you uh one more interview and it's post uh, her race it's anna mckenna talking with ruth from the from the race crew from the uta race crew uh about her victory Sweet. All right. So, uh, winner of the 100k at UTA. How do you feel? I am so happy. Um, yeah, I think more so because, like we were saying earlier, two days ago, I was trying to pull the pin and not not um, compete. But my coach was like, just start. Uh, if you get to Tablelands Road and you don't feel great, pull that, pull the pin. Um, and I did get to Tablelands Road, and I was like, mm, <laughs> don't feel amazing. But then I started feeling better, like about the 35, 40k mark. Yeah. So that was really good. And talk us through your race from start to finish. Uh, the first race, so it was with Erica, um, and I believe she's done Tyrawira, she was telling me. So, yeah, she was an amazing runner, and we were running together, and I honestly was like, this girl's got me. <laughs> um, but then once we did the out and back on Anderson's, I kind of uh, dropped her there, and I was able just to keep pushing and started feeling better and better, um, and that's where I was able to get away and... I mean, the last 10K was pretty hard, lots of stairs, 
that when you know you're finishing it just makes it that little bit easier <laughs> awesome and um at what point in the race did you feel like you kind of had it sewed up probably like honestly i wasn't really sure like because when you turn around and you see like there's so many out and backs and you can kind of see the other girls you can't really figure out how far behind they are and um, so i was pretty much running scared to like the last 3k <laughs> you never be too sure <laughs> Um, and you obviously were at UTA last year. Um, yes. Back this year, what, what was it like? The course like out there, and um, what was the atmosphere like? Um, yeah, the, the I was everyone was so nice on the because you got to see all the competitors like on the out and backs. Everyone was so supportive, um, and even though there were so many of us on the trail, they could still pick that you were the like first female for the hundred, and they would all cheer, and it was really nice, and all the supporters were lovely. So it's still like a really good vibe. I know that the course was a little different, um, but it's yeah, it was still a great day. It was it's pretty exposed on Tablelands Road, so it was pretty hot. Um, but luckily there was plenty of water, so I just kept filling up when I could. And so I heard you talk about Western States. Yes. Um, but this race also qualifies you directly for the CCC at UTMB. Yes. So talk us through sort of your plans from now until next year. Um. So next year. I really want to be able to do 100 miles. Um, I think longer the better for me. I've done a few shorter distances, um, especially over in Europe. I was doing like 44k, 50k, um, but I just think longer the better for me. Um, so that's why I, I had my eye on Western States because I think it's harder to get into, whereas UTM is just a little bit easier, like not, yeah, it's just a little bit easier. So that's why my goal was like Western States as soon as possible but then I actually was in Chamonix I've been training in Chamonix this year so I watched UTMB this year and it was so amazing and I actually had a cup of coffee with Katie Scheid um, who won UTMB and so it's actually so hard to pick which one yeah <laughs> it's the, both amazing such such amazing races and in amongst all that will we see you at UTA next year um I definitely want to do other races um, but UTA is always it's always a good one because it's probably one of the bigger ones that's the biggest in Australia um, and always sells out but I if I can get into Western States next year I probably won't come to UTA but you know anything can happen so I won't say no <laughs> yeah hopefully look you know one of the things that we love on Dirt Church Radio is it's not just about the elites it's about the whole of the experience of the trial community and often what brings people together into this sport is the fact that uh, they do it for so much more than the simple sense of, you know, running around in the bush. We got a, we were alerted to a, a Katumba local peer story who, um, you know, really to put her mind and body to the test when she took on the 50k event at uh, UTA um, and she was raising vital funds and awareness for Lifeline which is a volunteer led uh, suicide prevention line um, Pia is a, a young woman who grew up in Katumba well, born in Katumba, spent some time overseas and tragically lost her brother in 2019 in a car accident and, and she talks about you know the fact that he'd had quite significant mental health issues and Pia embarked on you know this journey towards you know what was a huge goal to support her mental well-being and, and adaptively process her grief um, very interesting conversation you know Pia's just about to qualify with her masters in psychotherapy um, she you know she's stoked and 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 we 
we sat and we talked with her in our kind of rambling accommodation uh, the night before she took on the 50k and here it is. Dirt Church Radio. Pia Story, welcome to Dirt Church Radio. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So we're in the uh, KCC um, villa, grand mansion that Eugene and I have been ensconced in and, and, and you live very close to here. Very, very close. Just about a kilometre away. <laughs> so you basically, uh, you're, you're at the event village yourself all the time. Um, That's right. Yeah. yeah. And Katoomba native, born and bred? Um, born, but I lived overseas for all of my teenage years and my early adult years. And uh, I mean, the question is, this is a trial running podcast. What are you up to tomorrow? Well, uh, <laughs> unfortunately running 50 kilometres. <laughs> Why do you say unfortunately? <laughs> it's it's recently dawned on me that it's a very, very big distance. <laughs> Have you ever run anything close to that before? No, I've only ever done half marathons, so which I've done quite well. So I was like, what's like an extra like couple of kilometres, right? <laughs> 29. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Are, are they trail halves you've done or on the road? Yeah, trails. Sorry, ridiculous podcast etiquette. Yeah. Mint. yeah. I mean, you can't live in this beautiful part of the world without running on trails, right? What a spectacular yeah. place to run. Yeah, that's right. And I think it really became um, more prevalent how beautiful it is to be running in it during lockdown and COVID when we weren't allowed to leave, mm. like within our like two kilometre radius. So you guys had a two kilometre radius? It might have been two or ten. It felt like two. <laughs> it was probably ten. <laughs> it's so interesting. Every time, so obviously, you know, we had the same thing happen. Um, we had to do everything remotely. We did the podcast remotely. And now we've got the chance after two years to come out and speak to people face to face and in this incredible environment. And it's a theme that's coming up again and again and again. I sort of had not hoped but I I sort of made peace okay we're perhaps on to that next step but it's it, it's a theme that's coming up that people are reflecting on just how hectic and, and and troubling that time was yeah but I think at the same time it was also um at least in my experience it was also a really grounding time as well it was a time to like stop and reflect and be more present instead of constantly being on the go and wanting to get to the next thing. Like I almost feel like we should have like a national lockdown for two weeks every year just to like stop and feel like you can just do what you wanted. Like I loved all I had to do was run, study, parent. That was it. <laughs> like, it was perfect. And I guess your wee one um, would have been like, well, nothing's really changed. You know? Yeah. Mum's home. All good. Yeah. The yeah. only thing is, is that he's very good at sanitising and he probably has some form of social anxiety because he was stuck with, like, the only the household people. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And if you think about, like I think about, you know, with my work, nursing students, medical students, occupational therapy students, those of us who had, you know, a decade and a half, two decades pre-pandemic with education and, and learning how to do things, learning how to, you know, be a healthcare professional. Then we've got these other people who've come in right on the horns of this. 
you know, think about our own children and 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 that we, and and your, your little man. He's 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 grown up sort of on the horns of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a different it's a different time, isn't it? So I mean, what we got in touch with you through through Iron Man. Um, you know, obviously there was a press release. You're running the Ultra Trail Australia 50k for a very specific reason. Would you mind? Yeah, so um, part of the reason was like signing up for it was like I really enjoy pushing myself to the boundaries and I recognise that I really grow throwing myself in the deep end with a lot of self-punishment. Like I just thrive (laughs) of self-punishment. But I wanted it to be more meaningful than just for me Um, and so I thought I'd when there was that option when you'd sign up um, to do the run that you could fundraise as well. And at the time I was working for Lifeline. Um, And so for me that was really important, especially um, my younger brother died in a car accident um, locally um, right before COVID and he had mental health issues like we all do, but it was something that he really battled with in those like young adulthood years. And so for me, it was really important to be able to do something that would help other people when they are in distress and they need something to get them in between. Mm. So for those who don't know, what exactly is Lifeline? Um, So Lifeline's a suicide prevention hotline, Um, but generally a lot of people call it if they're lonely. and, And that's the thing, like it's just that pure hopelessness and helplessness that people feel and they just want to know that there is something that they can hold on to because this moment isn't forever. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that people make a, will make a decision that will have long-lasting consequences um, for everyone concerned and themselves in that moment. But there's often a, a long tail leading up to that, hey, and it's you hear people say, oh, we had no idea that that was coming. I think those instances are quite rare. You can always, if you were to look back, you know, like you said, it doesn't have to be I'm at this junction where I'm either going to end my life or not, but I'm feeling lo- I'm feeling lonely. Yeah. And what does that lead to if that stone keeps rolling down the hill like that? Yeah, exactly. And I think especially because we live in a society where we're so connected all the time through social media and that all of a sudden people aren't having those physical contacts with each other and that's where people feel they feel connected but they're still really lonely within those spaces. Yeah, it's, it's almost that sort of, it's, it's intimate but it's autonomous intimacy, isn't it? It's just that sense of like, yeah, you, you can share. I'm always astounded at the further along we get into social media just how willing people are to share things but also on the flip side of that, they can be intensely private. Yeah. So you're seeing, I guess, what they're willing for you to see yeah that's right which is i guess how it's always been but if you're sitting face to face or having conversations face to face it takes more time to kind of dig that out so is is lifetime is life line is it volunteer led um yeah a lot of it's volunteer led with crisis support workers on the phone wow and are they registered health professionals or are they people lay people with specific training um some people have like medical backgrounds but generally it's people that have just done the training and the training's really extensive mm. 
as well. You'd want it to be. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we can all think about time. <laughs> you know, I, I understand that you're, you know, you're, you're in the mental health field and we all know situations where someone's gone in with the best of intentions and perhaps made a bit of a hash of it and, and, and yeah. it's a pretty critical time. <laughs> yeah, and like in saying that, there's always that support, like there's always um, supervisors there that step you through those really difficult phone calls as well. So crisis support workers aren't always on their own in those situations. It's, I mean, it's a difficult, and, you know, having, I was a, a crisis mental health nurse for 15 years, both in the sort of the acute community space and then working through into the emergency department space. Getting a phone call like that when someone's straight off the bat, you, you know, the phone rings and it could be, I'm feeling a bit low or I've had a, bad day or my dad's a bit of a dick or whatever to I'm going to end my life yeah and I've called you instead and and I'm you know asking you to help me um dissuade myself from that it's a really challenging thing to kind of sit with eh? yeah especially because so much of your own stuff comes up like I think one of the most difficult ones I had was when somebody called and they were hyperventilating just like my brother used to do and it was just Mm. like something small like that that really like brought up my own stuff in that situation that made it hard for me to navigate through it. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? We, and I think part of the, for me, in terms of mental health services, how we let our people down, how we let the people we serve down is we we fail to recognise that everything that's going on is analogous to us and it's a parallel process. So we expect people to act differently than perhaps we would if we were under that amount of stress. And it creates like this division, you know, like someone's upset. Well, you just need to, you know, you just need to make better choices or you just need to do this and this and this. I mean, look at the stress that the course changes on UTA Mm. have caused some people. And that's understandable. But if you were to apply that sort of, well, you just need to do this, get over it. Or here's some good advice. And that's the thing, all those people, that's all they hear all day is people telling them, how they, what they should do and how they should feel. They just need somebody to listen to them and have that space. Mm. It's a challenging thing to sit with. So your own background, you have a master's in psychotherapy. Yeah, I've got, I'm about to finish. I've got one assignment due tonight and then one more next week. So it's like I'll be celebrating with the 50-kilometre run. <laughs> so not only did you walk up the hill to get here, we said, hey, don't walk up the hill. You're going to bang out an assignment tonight. That's or right. you're, or you're super organised. You Very organised. I just have to submit it, really. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's really good. I'm also um, an AOD counsellor, which is quite enjoy and is that and and so you know i don't want to sort of get too much into the weeds but is there a lot of call for psychotherapy in katoomba or do you work remotely as um i think katoomba well specifically the mountains has a really really high need for mental health professions and organizations but there isn't as much available as there should be um a lot of services i find seem to claim they do all this stuff, but then all they do is put you in touch with other services and they put you in touch back with the other service. So it's like there's not enough um, resources for people that really need it. Um, and, yeah, I can see I can see why a lot of um, people in those professions end up going into private practice because it's just too much. Right? Yeah, and, I mean, you can certainly, and I guess that's the thing, you can certainly make more money. 
it's it's better paid and you can probably get a good night's sleep yeah and you can i mean i yeah i don't know and, and I'm, I'm guessing too these mountains they're beautiful they're wild they're isolated and those environments are generally um where people on the perhaps the margins you know gravitate to or crave that yeah. isolation and i think especially like the demographics of the mountains for so many years it was very low um low income people and but like as the cities become closer people are all of a sudden moving up and because they can work from home four days a week and they yeah. only have to be in the office one day a week so um people in those demographics are being moved further and further out now again the, yeah, the, the, it's almost the great gentrification wave. It sort of sweeps out, and that, yeah. that's got its own problems. So, I mean, with all that, you're, you're parenting, you know, you're studying. You know, you. How did you go about raising the money for Lifeline? What was what was the what did you do? Um, I think the main thing I did was making use of social media. <laughs> Fantastic for fundraising, um, and just really pushing it a lot, and. Um, like I know so many people support me, not just financially, and that's a really, really big thing as well. And it's um, it's been really beautiful because I had um, I had no idea that that article was going to be published in the local paper and I had these beautiful messages coming in from people I'd never even met saying, like, we're all behind you and, mm. like, we're really glad that you've been able to um, push your grief in a healthy direction. So I think that's really nice hearing that from people that you've never even met. Mm. Because that, that's the thing too, isn't it? It's not not just about the fundraising, as it were. Running itself has been something for you as well, and this yeah. and this this act of entering this race is important for you personally as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's it. Um, it's such a big thing. Like, I just know that within those, particularly that first year after my brother died, which was during the first lockdown. Um, it was just having that sense that I was able to ground myself being out in nature, but also just, I just feel that running really allows you to process stuff. And I just like became like, you know, when people first take up running and, <laughs> and they're like, everybody should do it. It's amazing. <laughs> All your health problems will go away. And now I just know like running's not for everyone. Can't push it on anyone, but I will tell people that it will benefit their yeah. mental health. <laughs> So that so that was that was the thing for you. You found your thing. I'm always intrigued. Why why running? How did you I, land on running? I always always wanted to be a runner. Like always, but always had those excuses like, oh, but my knees kind of hurt, or like maybe I've got like bad ankles. But it's definitely my knees. Like maybe one day I'll do it. And then it just turned out that my knees were sore because I didn't move enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. Do you remember your first run? Or, like, get the, that process of starting to run? Yeah, and it was um, it was the the second week of lockdown in March. Yeah, the end of March in 2020. And I was like, I'm just going to do the five-kilometre loop. And then it just kept on. I was like, oh, well, I'll just keep on running and then walk. And then running. And I didn't realise that's how most people run. I just thought that, like, if you're a runner, you just, like, run the whole time. So <laughs> that was a nice learning experience. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a lot of walking with some running involved Yeah, yeah exactly. on the trails, yeah, oftentimes. <laughs> so but so you, you kind of stuck with it because sometimes that process of getting involved in running can be hard when you yeah. haven't done it before and things that you, you know, didn't expect to hurt suddenly start hurting. But, but 
how did you keep going or why did you keep going? I think um, I was training through the local Plus Fitness and um, there's a big running community through there and I've been running with Blue Mountains Fitness and that's like Tony is a really, like I've never met anybody that loves running as much as Tony. And so that just kind of pushed me to be like, oh, well, I can just having all these people around you in like run groups and stuff that really love running it just makes you want to be a part of it. Mm. Um, so that just kind of made me keep on going and realising how easy it is to keep on building. So that's, that's been something that we've found, isn't mm. it, that, that there's the real sense of, of community and there seemed to be a lot, when we were standing on the finish line, seeing a lot of running groups and formal or informal. Some of them are just a group of people and they happen to have printed up T-shirts to, to proclaim their sort of, you know, unity. Um, but in other times it's more a, an organised crew, as you said. So what what is special about, about your particular um, crew? Well, what I think I really like about it is that I'm probably the youngest person, but they're all so, so fit and they're just so, so engaged and, like, they just want everybody to do really well and, like, everybody's accepted. And I think... It also kind of reflects like that point of lifeline. Like when I took up running, I was really, really lonely. Like mm. I was going through that, those changes of um, parenthood when you don't have anybody around you. And I was in lockdown and I was going through a grief process. People don't want to be around you when you're grieving. Like they, they don't know what to say. It makes them feel awkward. Oh, you're talking about your loss, like the mm. person you've lost. It makes them feel uncomfortable. Mm. So I think because of that, it was really, really nice for me to find that sense of community with the group that I hadn't had. Mm. And I guess that's the thing with that that grief process, isn't it? You talked about moving through your grief adaptively. We fear it so much. Yeah. However, we're designed to experience it. And people, I get the sense, and I've, I've, you know, had that sort of unconscious bias to it myself that perhaps it's a switch that you flick. And one day you're grieving, and then we walk out of the room, we flick the switch. But it's a motif that initially, you know, it, it, it covers us, and it, and it into it. it overlays everything and it might feel like it overlays everything in our life yeah and I I think it's part of also um like I think they say that people on average people give you eight weeks yeah and then they're like yeah and then they're like well you should be over it like maybe it's a problem now Mm. and I think there's this um I think she's um there's a New Zealand therapist Louise Tonkins or something but she has the does these illustrations of grief is a ball and that grief doesn't shrink but your jar that contains it just grows and that's what it is like Mm -hmm. yeah we see and and again add add social media into the mix you know everyone's a good idea theory everyone's you know 50 conflicting ideas all trying to be helpful none of it is so you're hanging out with all these fit old buggers you're running around katoomba you're learning that trail running is 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 walking as for, yeah. for some people as much as <laughs> like glorified you know. walking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> there was a when trail running, when ultra marathon running first sort of you know there was this thing there was this particularly derisive term that proper road runners would call trail runners. They call them walk tarts, you know, <laughs> which is a horrible term on so many levels. But that's what they're saying. You just walk and eat. Like what's well, that's the thing. I mean, you're going to find tomorrow the aid stations are pretty good too, aren't they? Yeah. I've also heard that um, trail runners are some of the most unhealthiest people in the world. <laughs> Prison company excluded, of course. Well, I guess that's the thing too. It does lend itself. And if we're talking about mental health, all sorts of running, because it's a habit, it can lend itself, like you use that word adaptively or positively, it can lend itself to toxicity. It can lend itself to this sort of obsessiveness 
when it becomes a rigid thing, you know, and and that if we know if we do it right, we're delaying our gratification, we're becoming more sort of flexible in our neurology, we're, you know, proprioceptively vestibular bound, all that stuff is just being powerhouse. But if we're using it, you know, my thing is I'll fight anyone who tells me running's therapy. It's not, it's therapeutic, right? Yeah. It's not therapy. Yeah. And you're more qualified than me to say yeah. that. Running's not therapy. <laughs> Therapy's therapy, goddammit. Come but, pay me. Uh, <laughs> Come pay me. Yeah, exactly. I've worked hard for this. Um, <clears throat> but that's what people say. Running is cheaper than therapy. A, it's not if you're doing this sort of stuff. But B, like, yeah, it can become as much of a, you know, and you think about that sort of obsessive need to self-soothe. And yeah, I'm not surprised that, you know, we have people who have substance dependence issues or you know problematic use and relational issues and all sorts of stuff but i guess you find that in every community yeah and i'm sure you can substitute those with running as well yeah and like that can become an unhealthy obsession in its own too yeah no that's the point yeah 100 yeah, yeah. yeah no i can run 100 miles i'm all good yeah <laughs> it's normal yeah it's totally fine yeah <laughs> When was um, sport a thing when you were growing up? Were you were you sporty as a kid or anything? Oh, well, I grew up in Sweden, and oh. Sweden is very, very athletic and fit. But I came from a very non-athletic, half-Australian family <laughs> where we didn't watch sports, play to have fun. <laughs> But then it turns out when I took out running two years ago that I'm very competitive. <laughs> the Australian gene was flipped on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it was also hard in Sweden because in Sweden they have everything's a queue. So, like, you go to the post office, you have to get, like, a little note and you wait until your number's called. It's this kind of the same with, like, sports. If you want to do a sport, you have to join a queue. And sometimes, like, it's, like, three or four years if you want to join a sport. So it's, having those opportunities is significantly less. Wow. So how so? You, how long were you in Sweden? Uh, for about 11 years. Yeah. What's that like? Um, it's good. It's, uh, <laughs> I think it's one of the most idyllic places in the whole world. Like I know for my younger brother, it was where he really wanted to go back to because he spent his whole, like his whole, most of his life there. Um, and it's a very, very idyllic place. But the only downside I would say is that Winter just goes on and yeah, on right. <laughs> and on. Like it never ends. Like your, it's like seasonal effective is eight months. Of- <laughs> <laughs> so I do believe that like season affected disorder is definitely a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, actually, if we'd stopped you when you said that your least favorite thing was, I think we probably both would have guessed winter. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the thing that came to mind. But it's true. I love that it snows up here yeah. because it's like you can watch it from inside. <laughs> and it like it gets like a decent amount of snow, but then it's gone in like two two days. Like in Sweden, it snows and then it's slush for weeks. And then you're like, queuing in the slush. Yeah, and you're just like slipping in the slush. Like there's like it, the snow isn't very frequent. <laughs> you're queuing to slip in the slush. Yeah, that's yeah right. exactly. The other Swedish people are like, "What is this non-sweet doing?" You yeah, the terrible slush. <laughs> One of my favorite bands, possibly my second favorite band in the world, is Swedish. No, are they? Not ever. Oh, that was going to be my first guess. Yeah. <laughs> totally looks like an ABBA fest. <laughs> well, you know, this is the thing. Every every trial runner has their dark secrets, right? <laughs> but, uh, and so you, you stayed in Sweden, and, and then what brought you back to Katoomba? Um, well, after Sweden, we actually moved to the UK for a few years, and I finished high school in the UK. And then I went to the States because I was like, had a high school sweetheart. 
um, in Texas of all places. Um, and then I decided I would come back here because my brother had had, my oldest brother had had um, two kids at that point and it just kind of felt like, as cliche as it sounds, the mountains were calling me home. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite diverse. Sweden, the UK, Texas, Katoomba. Um, yeah. Your accent's banging, I have to say. Yeah. You've kept a pretty even keel despite being... And I think that's because um, we only ever spoke English at home. So, like, growing up, like, we moved to Sweden when I was six. Um, never spoken Swedish because my dad never spoke Swedish with us. Um, got thrown straight into a Swedish school. Because I had a Swedish name, they thought I could speak fluently. Um so being bilingual and only speaking English at home, we were, I was able to maintain that accent. And do you speak Swedish with an Australian accent? No. Oh. Just completely bilingual. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, uh, that's a very good skill to have, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it turns out it's not the most practical language to... As <laughs> if you're in Sweden. <laughs> that's right. If you're in Sweden, it's very practical. <laughs> you're trying to do anything in Sweden. Yeah. But then it's also really hard because most Swedish people love speaking English and they always want to practice oh. English with you. <laughs> so you're desperately trying to speak Swedish. They're answering you back in, yeah. in English. Yeah, and yeah. I think they're helping you out by like speaking English. <laughs> oh, what are you? What are you most excited about for tomorrow? I think it's actually been a really big thing because I um, about what was it? Yeah, twenty seventh. So the twenty seventh of September. It was my 31st birthday. I had a great day, great run, boot camp. The next morning I woke up, went for a run and my knee started hurting. I was like, oh my God, turn 31 and my body's decided you don't need this kneecap. Um, <laughs> We've got to tell you it's all downhill from here, sister. <laughs> and it, it is. I only get pain when I go downhill, ironically. <laughs> um, so it got to the point where I was like, it would be like every four kilometers going downhill. Could not do it. I, I've been training like going downhill if it got to it. Um, and then I was like, maybe I'll just postpone it. And then last week I was like, oh, but I've raised all this money. Like, and I'm really um, internally like motivated um, and driven. So for me, it was like, this is something I want to do. Like, like it's, and I was felt like I was getting training fatigue. Like I've been training since December last year. It's like going on and on and on. So I think um, on Monday just gone, I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And it can just be my baseline. And thankfully it doesn't go into the valley. So I won't have that horrible experience of being stranded if I can't continue. <laughs> it's virtually flat now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and now I'm really annoyed because I've missed out on a whole month of training and I was really, really fast and running on the top part is what I'm really good at. <laughs> Wait, so were you originally going to be running in May? Yeah. 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 I mean, it sounds like it was hectic here weather-wise and on the trails. Yeah. yeah and I think um, I'd actually done a big training run on the route the day before that big landslide happened with um, that family. Mm. And, like, I thought it was a great decision by Iron Man to postpone it. I think it would have been really insensitive if they hadn't. Mm. And the same with this time. Like, I know a lot of people were really disappointed, but they probably would have been equally disappointed if it had been cancelled. Yeah. Um, 
and sometimes you just can't have what you want. <laughs> and it would have been like, it's been like devastating weather as well. Like there's been lots of rain to have like, what is it, 7,000 people shifting ground that's been affected. So two things, we were, we were here, we, we've gone for a couple of runs since we've been here. We did the, on the Wednesday when we got here, we ripped out, we did the 11K because we, we'd never been here before. And apart from getting, we almost dislocated our jaws because they were hanging open so much. Every corner we went around, there's these views. Um, you know, the, the 11K course was so scenic and it was difficult and, and we were on the start line on the Thursday and today with the 22K and nobody came back complaining. Yeah. You know, nobody came back complaining. And and also, we went for a run and we went down the giant staircase um, down to the bottom and, and our guide was sort of, well, here, around here, and so many tracks are closed. It's just yeah. no, there's, you know, you can't run a track that's got a chain across it. Yeah. And even if you went, like a few weeks ago, I went down Golden Stairs and it is so, so dangerous. Like I was the only person out there. I had to like slide down the steps. Mm. Um, and then you get to the bit before landslide and there's just like a piece of tape. <laughs> like, so if you go running and you slip that tape, I don't think would hold anyone yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing, you know, we've, um, we've had to manage our own expectations and, and get through these delays and so on. And, you know, first we had the pandemic and now we've got weather and stuff, but the fact is that now we're here. So what does it mean for you to be able to run tomorrow? I think it's just, I think it's going to be, I think for me it's just going to be a really big um, sense of accomplishment for myself. Um, and it was making me a teary watching people cross the 22nd, like the 22 line today with like everybody cheering because it's such like it's a really big thing and I don't think, and it's a big thing to be part of such a big community and have people support you. And I think that for me is the big thing is being a part of something like and just like my fundraising, being part of something that's bigger than myself. Well, that's the key, isn't it? That sense of, you know, something bigger. And I've got to tell you, I was in tears by three ten p.m. on the first day, the eleven kilometer. Like, it's such a thing, you know. Yeah. People's emotion is raw. The connection, it's so raw and it's so affecting, and it sort of hits you in ways that perhaps. You know, it's never a linear thing, isn't it? It's a night's move kind of like, I'm upset because of this. And I didn't understand, you know, I didn't think that that would upset me that way. But, yeah. you know, it's just such a, a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is, definitely is. Mm. So how many of your crew are running tomorrow? Um, I think there's quite a few of them. I think there's about four or five of them. And are you going to be one of those rowdy ones coming? You know, there's this the quieter ones who just sort of slip through, but there are some who definitely put on a show and are rowdy. I'm picking your lot are going to be quite rowdy. Yeah, some of them probably are. Me personally, I'm very, very <laughs> quiet, very completely opposite. It's the young ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, the, do you... In terms of, I just keep going back to Katoomba, you know, like your population's sort of around seven, just over 7,000. It seems like you've got so many running clubs and, and I just keep coming back to that and keep coming back to that. How good? I mean, is there any friendly rivalries? Is there any inter-Katoomba dirt that we need to know about? I'm not actually sure because I'm a bit of an amateur. Like I don't even <laughs> wear proper trail shoes or use like poles or anything. <laughs> so I would have no idea. <laughs> 
What were you expecting? Sort of like the um, yeah, the West Side Story. West Side sort story. of poles yeah. clicking in anger <laughs> instead of click, they, they click the, the poles. face off on a trail. That's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, you've been fundraising for Lifeline. How much money have you raised? Um, well, yesterday I just got to three thousand, and now I'm almost up to four thousand. So, like, if I just keep on pushing it a bit, yeah, <laughs> yeah fantastic. And in terms of that, how can how can people reach you? Um, for the donations. Yeah. So it's on the uh, – this is a very good question, actually. Um, it's the grassroots donations page, I think, and then PR um, dash story. We'll put a link in our, in our show notes so that people can find it easily enough and be able to – I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that when I type it in, I have to type grassroots something. <laughs> Okay, so we'll search that up. And look, we, we ask a question of everyone who comes on Dirt Church Radio, and that's, you know, Pia, what's been your greatest run ever? I think my greatest run um, was really I did the half marathon for the Glowworm Tunnels um, this year, and I came ninth out of all females, and that was, that was pretty good. And it was also the first time I'd actually done proper training. So I was, like, able to, like, see the benefit. <laughs> Who knew training works? Whereas the first time I did it the year before, I was like, this is horrible. Like, <laughs> I am going to die. <laughs> Thought I wasn't going to be able to finish it. Would never run ever again. Um, but that only lasted a week, so. <laughs> Tell us a bit more about that race. It sounds amazing. It's really great. It's, um, it's just out west, um maybe about like an hour and a half drive and it goes into Walgan Valley. And so um, a lot of people camp there because it's a two-day event and you run up and then it actually goes through the glowworm tunnels. Last well, This year my torch stopped working so I had to like feel my way along the walls. <laughs> They're horrible animals, glowworms. You can't see it. Like, and they weren't bright enough. So <laughs> there should have been more, more of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're just they're just when you go, oh, nice glowworms, and then people explain to you the horror that those things are, like awful. Really? I was just what? Yeah, yeah they're I terrible think I've ever animals. Had this horrible yeah. explanation before. This no, no, the race is great. They look pretty, but the ta- the, the death traps, the tunnels, are, and they're all toxic. And there's only one animal that feasts on them. That's the a harvestman spider, the daddy long legs. That was my Waitomo cave experience. Yeah, it was just a yeah. cavalcade of horrors. Maybe I won't do it again. No, you should. It's really fun. <laughs> Trail running's really therapeutic for you. It's, <laughs> it's free therapy. <laughs> Wallagan Valley, where's that? Because my daughter, I was just on FaceTime with her before, and um, she was going, have you been to Wallagan Valley? Have you been to Wallagan Valley? And my wife was like, stop making things up. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it's just past Lithgow, and it's really beautiful because um, – it's got, I think, Sydney, um, Taronga Zoo, their Australian section's based off it, but they've got, like, wombats and kangaroos and koalas down. Like, it's really scenic. And you just wake up and you're in the middle of this valley and it's just all these cliffs around. There you go. Yeah. Lily was go. onto it. Yeah, she was. Rick was like, <laughs> stop making things. <laughs> you're just making up names. And she's like, no, I'm not. This, this really it's really world famous in New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it's got the riverhead, you've made it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Pia, thank you so, so much. We really appreciate you thank taking you. time out, especially the day before a race and with an assignment due. So, um, and a wee one at home. Yeah. So thank you so, so much and look forward to seeing you on the finish line. Hopefully I make it to the finish line. <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> 
Thanks, Pia. That was um, great. And it was great to be on the finish line with her as she came home, uh, storming home, and she got it done in 8 hours and 37 minutes. She was a little bit tired at the end, and her uh, knee was not uh, feeling very well, but she got the job done, and so make sure to have a look for that link in our show notes if you want to support what Pia was all about. But yeah, that's that's about us for UTA 2022. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Matt. Well, thank a great you, time. Eugene. And look, thanks to thanks to all the people who who we met and came and said good day and Haru mm. and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, Beth, and, uh, who we saw out on the on the course, um, and or she'd come up to us at the start line. Uh, sorry, at the finish line uh, on the day of the 22 kilometer, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. And then and then we saw her out on the course, and then um, we were lucky to be there when she came home as well. So. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, and uh, you know, she was just one of many who who came up and and said good day, and it was it was great to meet a bunch absolutely, of people. And, absolutely, yeah. Thank yeah. you to the Ironman team for having us, and I uh, mm. got a, you know, once more just before we go, thanks to the legends Dave Stewart and Ben Berryman for being such, um, such great, you know, co-workers on the mm. commentary team with us. It, it really. It's a, it's a special thing, you know. You got a vibe with someone almost instantaneously, yeah. and there wasn't a there wasn't a hiccup throughout the the, the single. It, there wasn't a single hiccup no. throughout the entire thing. But no, look, they were great to work with. Yeah, full of you know. And also, again, we said it earlier, but you know, the other thing that was absolutely abundantly evident to us as Kiwis was the love for Kerry Suter, Ali Pottinger. Uh, and squad run and it's incredible to see the community that they've created there the love that there is for them and the impact that uh, what happened earlier this year has had on so many people in Australia 100% 100% well look thank you bro Thank you for an amazing time and thank you all very much for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on all the podcast platforms. Like and subscribe if you fancy and you can download direct from the website which is dirtchurchradio.com. Don't forget to write them the greatest run ever. We love to hear from you and you can read them on the website too. We have to thank our sponsors, Scott Running, Further Faster and Cielli. Thank you to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things and Currens and thanks to our editor, Karen. Stay tuned next week. We've got another great show lined up. Matewa. Thanks, Rippy. <laughs>